Well, good morning, Grace Church. Thanks for tuning in. So glad, as far as we know, this is our last video that we're doing. Our services in person will resume on June 7th, and Joshua's going to tell you more about that, so stay tuned after the sermon for that information. Before we look at God's Word together, I want to address briefly the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, who died as a police officer knelt on his neck. I want to encourage you to read the blog post by Paul Tripp that I linked to this week in my update. You can find it on our blog if you'd like to go there. Mr. Tripp lists a number of scriptures for us to prayerfully consider that our hearts might be aligned with God's heart over this situation and many others like it. That, will, that post will, will help you. I want to pray with you a, a prayer of lament. So join me in a lament, please. Fathers, our hearts grieve over this situation. We grieve over the death of George Floyd. We pray for comfort for his family. We grieve even more so because this is one example of a much bigger problem in our country and in our own hearts. We know, we know there are many, many excellent police officers. We thank you for them. We need them. Bless them, we pray. We also know there are many, many injustices in our land, including many, many racial injustices, and we grieve over this. We pray for justice in this situation. And we pray for increasing justice in our cities and our towns. We pray for peace in our cities right now. And we grant, we ask you to grant, grant that our own hearts would increasingly reflect your heart. That we would love what you love and hate what you hate. That we would love justice and righteousness. And we would hate wickedness, including the wickedness of racism. We lament and we ask you for your help, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're like me, you find yourself asking, what can I do personally? How should I respond personally? And I, of course, can't fully answer that for you, but here's a place to start. Here's at least a starting point. Reach out to a friend who is black and say to them, I'm so sorry for yet another situation like this. My heart grieves with you. Would you take me into how this situation lands on you personally? Would you take me into how this affects you personally? Because I want to mourn with those who mourn and I want to understand your experience as fully as possible. I recommend that at least as a starting point. I did that recently my, myself. I wish I'd done it much sooner. I was helped. I was sensitized further with the ability to look through someone else's eyes and their own personal experience. I recommend that at least as a starting point. Well, friends, let's turn in our Bibles to Psalm 131. Psalm 131. 
We began these videos in this time of shut-in with Psalm 16, a psalm of confidence. And we're going to end these videos with another psalm of confidence, Psalm 131. The title reads, A Song of Ascents of David. Verse 1. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Well, during this time of sheltering in place, for many of us, our lives have slowed down outwardly. But inwardly, in your heart, maybe not so much. Maybe internally you've been experiencing increased churn, the increased angst, that increased tightness in your gut of fear or, or worry or anxiety. You're asking, how long, how long will this COVID-19 situation go on? How long must we uh, relate to these government restrictions? Or what happens if I get sick? Or what happens if my spouse gets sick? Or what if I infect others in my family? Or how long will I be out of work? Or how long will my, my job be affected? Or what will happen with my schooling? What will happen with my educational plans or my educational experience? What's going to happen with my finances or my retirement savings? Or, or simply, when might my life return to a sense of normalcy? And these, these worries, these fears, these anxieties, they, they churn within us. And right there, in that experience, God gives us Psalm 131 to help us. You see, David's experience, the experience God wants us to have, is described in verse 2, where it says, I have calmed and quieted my soul. I've, I've quieted the noise within. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. It's a picture of peace, a picture of contentment. Instead of a nursing child fussing in his mother's lap, wanting to be fed, wanting to be fed right now. Instead, David says he has, he has calmed and he has quieted his soul like a child who can rest in his mother's lap peacefully, contentedly. That's the peace that we want and need on the inside. That's the contentment we need at a time like this and at all times. And David here, God really here, shows us two ingredients for that calmed and quieted soul. Two, two aspects with which you can calm and quiet your own soul. Here's the first. First, have small thoughts of yourself. Have small thoughts of yourself. In verse 1, 
there are three statements really saying the same main idea, that your soul will not be calm or quiet when it is proud. First, he says, my heart, my heart is not lifted up. It's the realization that the world does not revolve around me, that life is not a, a movie in which I'm the star and everyone else just the supporting cast. I know this attitude for me comes out in mundane things like when I'm driving. I think I deserve a, a traffic-free existence and I don't understand why these other people are using my road. In particular, I am troubled when they're not driving as perfectly as I drive. They are slowing down too much. They are not signaling at the right time. They cut me off. They are in my way. And what gets revealed? Well, my own self-absorption. My own self-centeredness. Ways in which my heart is lifted up. Can you relate? It's, it's living your life, right? Living your life on Captain Me planet. It's all about me. It's my will be done in my timing for my glory. And the result is a noisy soul. But the quiet soul has small thoughts of itself. David says next, my eyes, my eyes are not raised too high. That's, that's not about not looking up too much. It's about the noise of looking down on other people in arrogance. As one commentator puts it, the proud person, the proud person compares, competes, and is never content. That's what it means to have your eyes lifted up too high. You're, you're comparing yourself to others. In a sense, you are competing with them. You are putting them down so that you can put yourself up. And so you are never content. It's the noise, I think, the noise of racism. Racism is one example of this attitude because racism is rooted in human pride. It is the craving to find some way to exalt oneself over others merely by the color of our skin. And that tendency is in all of us, isn't it? It's the attitude of pride, of, of eyes lifted up, eyes lifted up, looking down on others. It's the noise that God is addressing when the quiet soul has small thoughts of itself. Lastly, David says, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. I find this phrase very helpful. We live in a time when we have so much information and yet so little control over the things we're aware of. We're aware of much, much going on around us, national issues, economic uncertainties, world crises. But how much of that do you honestly control? How much of that do you directly influence? Well, we don't control Supreme Court rulings. Chief Justice Roberts never checks in with me for advice. We don't directly influence government policy. President Trump does not seem to have me on his speed dial. We don't control tax laws or, 
or traffic laws or any other kinds of laws. We don't control governors and, and county health boards during times of pandemic. And yet, yet we crave, don't we? We crave to be in control of them. We fret, we argue, we fuss. If they would just listen to me. Now, sure, have your convictions. Of course, share your opinion. Yes, get involved in ways that are available to you. But, friends, if you live that way, trying to control what God has not placed in your control, you will have a very noisy soul. Your social media posts will reveal a noisy soul. And God holds out to you a better way. He is holding out to you the peace, the peace of a submitted heart. That's what verse 1 is calling us to. A a submission to God because, because we have small thoughts of ourselves. It's the peace, it's the contentment that comes from being personally resized, you might say. I read about how the British Parliament every year seeks to resize the monarch, especially, uh, or currently rather, currently the Queen. The Queen comes at the opening of Parliament and she reads a speech written by someone in the government, making her repeat their own political slogans. Her representative has the doors to the House of Commons slammed in their face to remind the Queen of who is really the boss. And then the topper, Parliament forces the Queen to consider her own mortality. In the room where the Queen puts on her robe and the imperial crown, there is displayed a copy of the death warrant of her ancestor, Charles I. Every time she appears before them in that fashion, they are making sure the queen gets resized. That's what this psalm is calling us to do. Get resized with smaller thoughts of yourself. So ask yourself two questions for application. Ask yourself two questions. First, ask, where is my soul noisy right now? Where is the noise within right now? Where am I lacking a calm and quiet heart? And then secondly, ask why? Why is my soul noisy right now? What what expression of human pride is being revealed for me right now? Is my heart lifted up too high to self-absorption? It's all about me. Are my eyes raised too high? Maybe I'm looking down at other people in self-righteousness. Am I occupying myself with things too great or too marvelous for me? Maybe trying to control what God has not placed within my control. Friends, for a quiet soul, first have small thoughts of yourself. And that leads to the second ingredient, the second aspect here. Secondly, have great thoughts of God. For a calmed and quieted soul, have great 
thoughts of your God. Verse 3. Verse 3 says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. Hope in Yahweh. Hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Now David, the inspired author, looks straight out at us saying, to have this peace, this contented heart, you must have a Godward hope. That's helpful. It's saying we don't just produce small thoughts and a resized soul by the force of our own will alone. We don't just turn away from those things. We must turn to something, or in this case, turn to the living God and realize his greatness. And so David says, Israel, hope in the Lord, hope in Yahweh, hope in your covenant-making, relationship-making, covenant-keeping God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt and redeemed you to make you his very own. Hope in the one, hope in the one who provided a Passover lamb, a sacrifice as your substitute that God's judgment would pass over you in Egypt. Hope in the one who parted the seas that you might walk through on dry land and then he squashed the Egyptian army behind you. Hope in the God who provided for your every need for 40 years as you wandered in the wilderness. Food, water, shoes that never wore out. Hope in the one who has brought you into this promised land and promises to never leave you nor forsake you. He is saying, hope in that God. So friends, don't read this as wishful thinking. It's not hope in hope somehow. It's hope in a very specific person, in who he is, what he's like, and what he's done for you. This psalm, this psalm is entitled A Song of Ascents. It's part of a group of psalms that, that Israel would, would use to, to sing when the people were journeying up to Jerusalem, go to the temple for one of the festivals that they had every year. And so they would come with these songs, these psalms to worship God, to behold God together. That's how you might read verse 3. Verse 3 is calling you to behold your God, to worship Him, to hope in Him, and so calm and quiet your soul. So you're going to face, you're going to face situations this week when you're going to need to quiet your soul. It might be on the job might be with the kids, might be with your educational plans, might be with your finances or your health or sitting in traffic. Look, you fill in the blank. In that situation, here's what you must ask yourself. One more question. What is true about God right now? How can I hope in the living God right now? It might be reminding yourself of Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Isn't that a great foundation for your hope? 
Your help comes from the all-powerful one who made the universe, and he is constantly watching over you to keep you, to preserve you, to protect you, sustain you. So hope in him. Or you might think of the words of the reformer Martin Luther, who wrote a famous hymn based on Psalm 46. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. A refuge, a fortress, a strong tower who will never, ever, ever fail you. And so you hope in him. Or it might be that you think of 2 Chronicles 16 and the story of King Asa. King Asa felt threatened. He was threatened. So he gathered up the silver and gold from the treasury. And he basically bought the protection of the king of Syria. It's kind of buying protection from the mob, basically. You see, Asa had small thoughts of God. And so God sent Asa a prophet. And the prophet says to him in verse 9, quote, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support, strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. Did you catch that? God's eyes are always roaming, as it were, looking to you for when your heart is hoping in him. And when he sees the hearts of his people hoping in him, he sends strong support to them. Strong support as you hope in him. Strong support as you rely on him. Strong support as you, as you trust in him for your job or your finances, or your health, or your kids, or your schooling, or what have you. Psalm 131 is calling us to hope in God, to behold our God and so calm and quiet our souls. I had this experience recently in a men's meeting with the guys in my home group. We have rich fellowship together. I'm grateful for those men. And I was sharing with them how I had been in my heart just kind of projecting the future, or projecting a future, rather, playing the what-if game. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I get sick? What if Sung gets sick? What what if I die? What what if Sung dies? And so I was confessing my my worries, my anxieties, and and Alan Cisan just very kindly, gently said to me, Tabit, it sounds like you're trying to play God in those ways. And that was just a light bulb moment. I was just like, aha, that was, that's my takeaway from this men's meeting. I am, I am trying to play God. I thought I was being responsible. It was responsible worry, but no, I'm God playing in that moment. Acting like I'm in control of the present and I'm in control of the future. And Alan's words reminded me, no, God holds our present and God holds our future. So hope in him. And the result was fresh peace. A freshly calmed and quieted heart. I mean, this is how, this is how we minister to each other in our home groups. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us to speak the truth in love to each other. That's not really about correcting each other, although 
sometimes that's appropriate. It's about speaking, reminding each other of doctrinal truth, biblical truth, to build each other up. That's ministry to each other, according to Ephesians chapter 4. So when someone in your home group is, is lacking hope like I was, minister to them the words of Psalm 131, or Psalm 121, or Psalm 46, or 2 Chronicles 16.9, or whatever truth, whatever truth would be hope-giving for them in that moment. And most of all, most of all, remind each other of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, we have even more reason to hope than David fully knew. We don't just look to the God who provided a Passover lamb in Egypt. We hope in the God who took on humanity to be that Passover lamb for us in our place. We don't just know about a deliverance from slavery in Egypt. We know about the deliverance in Jesus Christ from slavery to sin and the freedom to live in newness of life in Christ for all who believe. And if you're watching and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to urge you right now to hope in Jesus like that. You see, we have sinned, all of us, against this great and majestic God and He must punish our sins. He can't do otherwise. He can't just overlook them. God, who is holy, must respond to our sins with his holy, justified wrath. But in Jesus Christ, God himself took on human flesh. He took on our humanity to live the perfect life we could never live. And then in his great love, In his great love for you and for me, the God-man Jesus gave his perfect life for us, enduring the judgment that we have earned and deserve. And then he rose triumphant from the grave and he ascended back to heaven where he rules over all right now. And he invites you to hope in him like that. Trust that good news, to turn to him believing. And I would urge you to do so. For all who have believed, God has saved us from our greatest danger, the wrath of God against our sins. He has been a refuge for us, for our most serious distress. Should he not be your hope for any lesser distress? This psalm, this short but profound psalm calls us to quiet our souls with small thoughts of yourself and great thoughts of your God. That's the takeaway. That's the point. Quiet your soul. Calm your soul with small thoughts of yourself and great thoughts of your God. In fact, I would encourage you to, to use this brief psalm like I have this week as a guide for prayer. The 4th century leader Athanasius once said, while scripture, rather most of scripture, while most of scripture speaks to us, the Psalms speak for us. Most of scripture speaks to us. The Psalms, including Psalm 31, can speak 
for us. These are words from God to guide you in speaking back to God. So pray things like, Lord, help me such that my heart would not be lifted up in self-absorption. Help me that my eyes would not be raised too high in arrogance and self-righteousness and looking down on others. Help me not to occupy myself with things too great for me. Help me not to strive and insist on trying to control things you haven't placed within my control. Help my heart to be submitted to you. And then you can pray, help me to hope in you, as verse 3 describes. Help me to hope in you, to provide all I need. Help me to hope in you for my marriage and my children and my job and my health and my education. Lord, I'm running to you right now for strong support, strong support. Help me to believe that you Give me help as the maker of heaven and earth. Help me to believe that you are that great refuge, that strong tower, that ever-present help. Help me to believe that you do give strong support and help me to believe the good news that you did not spare your own son. And so I have every reason to trust you right now. That's how, that's how our hearts can look more and more like that peace-filled contented child in verse 2. So friends, quiet your soul with small thoughts of yourself and great thoughts, great hope in your God. Let's pray to that end. Father, thank you for this brief but profound psalm. It not only speaks to us, it speaks for us. And so help us to take these words and make them our own, such that you would resize our hearts wherever needed. Show us where fear, worry, anxiety, the noise within are present. And remind us of our hope. Remind us of who you are, what you're like, and what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. I pray for those specifically right now who feel maybe overwhelmed with anxiety, overwhelmed with fear, that you would minister to them this moment. You'd fill them, Spirit of God, and grant your peace and grant your rest in Jesus Christ. Grant this, we ask you, in Jesus' name. Amen.